everybody. Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pekulski. So imagine me in 2007, 13 years ago, prior to being a professional bodybuilder, living the typical fitness life of training a lot, eating a lot, and probably stressing way more than most people do, having high aspirations for what I'm going to do with my life, but having no idea how I'm going to do it. And I stumble upon a coach who suggests that I start to read, that I start to meditate, that I start to question my words, the words that I use on a day-to-day basis, the words that come out of my mouth, which ultimately is an indication of my beliefs. Absolutely changed my life. And that coach sent me down the path of the gentleman that we are interviewing today. So in 2007, when I started reading, I started taking a huge interest in consuming as many books as I could, as many audios as I could, but it was difficult at times to uh, know which books to read. And I was very new to uh, this whole self-help, if you will, space, this whole personal development space. So I came across a website uh, called Philosopher's Notes. If any of you have heard of Philosopher's Notes on YouTube, you know exactly who we're speaking with today. And this guy was an absolute wealth of information. And I thought his business model was incredibly brilliant. And Brian Johnson joins me today to tell us about his evolution from Philosopher's Notes on YouTube of reading a single book a day and giving us a summary of the five biggest takeaways in 10 minutes or less. Um, Something that ultimately has changed my life and changed a lot of lives. So it was allowed me to dig into any number of books. And, you know, he really read the best books that exist and then determine if it was a great book for me to go deeper and read. So Brian tells us all about his brand, which has now evolved into Optimize Me. Optimize.me is the website. We speak about his most impactful books after having read thousands of books in the last 13 years. We talk about his four main virtues. Ultimately, these are the stoic virtues of wisdom and mastery and courage and love. We talk about the concept of the hero. Who is the hero? How should men be acting in society? How should women be acting as a hero? We talk about how to seize the day and create a day that's a masterpiece. This is one of my favorite conversations, maybe that I've ever had in my life. Maybe I look up to this man tremendously, um, both all his morals, his wisdom, his commitment, uh, and ultimately his success from in every aspect of his life. He's got an extremely happy marriage, extremely happy and grateful dad, and extremely successful business. And that's those are the things that I value most. And um, you know, ultimately, we talk at length about his meditation practice, his business, and his framework for creating your greatest life, his greatest life. And we talk a little bit about his experience being a vegan and why it didn't work out, and now why he's living in Austin, Texas, and why he loves it there. And I absolutely love this conversation. I look forward to my reading of my Optimize app almost every single day. I try to consume one book in there or one of Brian's amazing videos. Today's conversation is a wealth of information that I know you guys are absolutely going to love. And it's today's podcast is brought to you by Bubs Naturals. Fuel your brain, fuel your life, guys. Our brain is the creator of our reality. If you want to have an amazing, incredible, energized life, I suggest you start paying attention to what goes into your body. The highest quality products only should be going into your mouth. And that includes food and supplements and water and everything else that goes in. We pay attention to quality and so should you. 
So thank you so much to Bubs for providing us with the highest quality collagen, grass-fed collagen and organic MCT powder. Uh, absolutely incredible. Dissolves so well. I actually put it in cold brew the other day and it, without even having to stir, just really dissolved. It was incredible. Whereas if you put most MCTs in there, they're clumpy and nasty and gross. You need a blender. Even then, they don't say it tastes very good when you use a blender. When you use Bubs, it works like an absolute charm. Thank you so much to Bubs for hooking us up with a 20% discount. BubsNaturals.com, B-U-B-N-B-U-B-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com. BubsNaturals.com. Use the discount code BEN at checkout for 20% off. And I know I sound excited because I am. This podcast was awesome. And I absolutely love talking to Brian Johnson. I look forward to having him back on again and hopefully picking his brain for more wisdom. We get into Stoicism and Epictetus and his greatest mentor, Phil Stutz, which is a book that I suggest every one of you listen to. Wait for it. Brian talks about it in the show. Brian Johnson, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I know it may be a bit of a disconnect for you to be on something called the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, man, but really, um, you're a big inspiration to me. You're a big inspiration to uh, all of my journey, so I'm super grateful to have you here. Thank you. Right on, man. I'm uh, honored to be a part of your life and uh, thrilled to connect. Yeah. So the listeners who don't know you, Philosopher's Notes is kind of where you started uh, reviewing books, giving your five big takeaways in under 10 minutes on YouTube. That skyrocketed. Now you've got Optimize Me, which is a website effectively that's grown into so much more than just reviewing books. Now you've got a podcast, now you've got uh, and this incredible wealth of resources and uh, you know, such an, increase, an incredible uh, amount of information for people who want to live their greatest life. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. So tell me how it started, man. So I like, I, I, from my outside perspective, I'm like, this guy's a machine. And, and you know, I think one book that we both have in common, uh, as far as one of our favorites is Think and Grow Rich. And I think you might be the epitome of that, right? Is like you, you turned uh, a passion of reading and learning into um, this incredible resource of information for, uh, you know, millions and millions of people. How did that start for you? Yeah, well, I've always been passionate about what makes great people great. So kind of what's that 0.001%? What is it about them or 0.001%? They really go out and really fulfill their potential and service to the world. Studied psychology at UCLA. At the time, there was no positive psychology. Uh, you know, did bounce around, did some consulting, went to law school, dropped out, started my first business. And after selling that, I, you know, dedicated myself full time, had enough to take a little time off. And um became a philosopher, a lover of wisdom, and really just immersed myself in it. In fact, the first thing, it's not weird for me at all to be on a, on a show like this. The very first thing that I did was become a trainer. I knew that I needed to get my energy right if I wanted to have a shot at optimizing and actualizing my potential. Um, and then I asked myself a question. I, I read Michael Gelb's How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. And he's got a hundred questions exercise where you sit down one slot, hundred questions is just write down what comes to mind. Why is the sky blue? Why are my boogers green? What do I want to do with my life? Like anything, mm -hmm. right? In one sitting. And then you look at those questions, you rank order them and, uh, you know, figure out what is most important to you. One to 10, top 10, one to 10. And then he has you meditate on some power questions. The question I, I wrote down on a piece of paper, I vividly remember, you know, putting a hole in it, putting a, some floss around it, hanging it on my bathroom, you know, shower, whatever, taking a bathroom, staring at it. How can I get paid to do what I love to do? And, I, you know, I love to read and I love to optimize my life and to figure out how I can achieve my potential and, of course, how I can serve others to do that. And that really started, got me clear on this is what I want to do and then took me forever to really kind of crystallize that. 
for years, I should say. Um, but that's some of the, uh, the backstory to it. And um, just feel blessed to do what I do and more committed and more all in today than ever before. And like I said, incredible job. And you've, you've got, I don't know how many books on there, but certainly thousands of resources. And you've got them really nicely organized and subcategorized. And I kind of want to get into what have been the most impactful books for you over, I know that's probably a very hard question to ask. And sometimes there's the, the recency effect, right? Where like what you've read in the last three months, uh, but just anything that pops into your mind with respect to starting with philosophy, because I want to kind of go genre by genre, um, the most impactful books that you suggest people check out on your site or on YouTube. So I got the, hey. I got the, fam I got the family oh. helping me out right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We got, we got a music stand out here to see if I can set this thing up. Um, welcome to the country. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the country, Ben. Oh, man, wonderful. Remember, we got Alexandra and Eleanor Emerson. Say, what's up, buddy? What's Hi, up? Guys. Hi, how's it going? Um, okay, so reset your question for me. Sorry. Uh, most impactful books for you uh, in the realm of philosophy. So uh, I know that's challenging, but uh, anything that comes into mind, first thing that comes to mind with like a must read with respect to, you know, like we, we speak about um, thriving in life and understanding the, the big questions. Yeah, it was interesting. First of all, just stepping back, I classify, like when I look at, at what philosophy means to me, um, you know, philosophy is, is obviously love of wisdom. And wisdom is knowledge of life. So I actually put everything I do under the umbrella of philosophy from that perspective and why I call myself a philosopher. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a lover of wisdom. You know, I'm a professional philosopher, professional optimizer. I'm all in. I train like, you know, professional athlete kind of thing on it. Um, so I, I think of all of the books that I've read when you ask that question. Love it. Um, now, of course, there's some classic philosophical, philosophical texts. I'm a huge fan of stoicism. That's probably the the core of my work. Yep. When I talk about ancient wisdom and modern science, it's really stoicism plus everyone is echoing their wisdom in their own way. But I most resonate with that ancient, you know, Greco-Roman kind of perspective. And then. Um, the so staying, on that, for, staying a yeah. on that for a second, like as far as the, the, the typical Stoics people know, so the Epictetus, the, the Marcus Aurelius, the Seneca, is there one that resonates with you more than others that we should definitely lean into? You know, it's funny. I love all three. Personally, yeah. I actually feel the most kinship with Epictetus. So Epictetus is a former slave turned philosopher. He's a teacher, never wrote anything down. But just to pat, if you read his, his stuff, you can feel the intensity. It was written by Arian, one of his students, who was also just an exemplary guy in, in ancient um, Rome. But you, you can feel his intensity, you know, and just his no nonsense. He says going to a philosopher in a philosophical lecture should feel like going to a hospital, not a spa. You're doing hard work on yourself. You know, this shouldn't make you feel raw, raw. You shouldn't clap the person at the end of their speech. You should be like kind of in awe of really, he's asking me to do that. You know, like there's an intensity to Epictetus that I love. And, and frankly, I was raised in a blue collar family. My dad struggled with alcoholism. His dad did as well and killed himself. So I feel kind of a, uh, that kind of, um, sense of kinship too, of not coming from a lot um, and being committed to obviously very different, but being committed to my craft and teaching. Um, so I, I most love him. Of course, Aurelius is, is amazing. And Seneca is an extraordinary writer. Um, but yeah, quick thoughts on that. And you said bringing it forward into modern science. Yeah. So then modern science, um, I actually just had a chat yesterday with the guy that runs the masters of applied positive psychology at university of Pennsylvania. And um, they're doing such amazing work. And what they did when they started their work was 
Um, how do we empirically validate essentially what all of these ancient wisdom traditions have been saying across cultures across time? And what they found was exactly what, um, like how I summarize my philosophy. The first thing I teach our coaches in our program that we have is something called eudaimonology. So I like to playfully say, if you were thinking ancient wisdom and modern science, and you invited Aristotle as a proxy for ancient wisdom, right? And Martin Seligman, the founder of the positive psychology movement as a proxy for modern science, you said, hey guys, what's the ultimate game we're playing? What's, what's the true meaning of life? Aristotle would answer you in one word. It would be eudaimonia. Un without thinking about it, it's just, this is what he believed, eudaimonia literally means good soul. We translate it as happiness, but it's a really weak translation. It means something closer to flourishing, actualizing your potential. That's the purpose of life. The summum bonum, he said, the highest good. Uh, you go to Martin Seligman and you say, hey, what do you think, right, Mr. Scientist? You look at his books. His most recent book is called Flourish, which is, he goes from learned optimism, authentic happiness, flourish, which is the English, the better English translation of eudaimonia. It's the same one word answer from our ancient wisdom and modern sciences. Then you say, okay, guys, that's nice. The ultimate purpose is to actualize our potential. How do we do that? Aristotle, again, unequivocally, no hesitation, one word, arate, which if I had to summarize my entire philosophy, I would summarize it in this, arate. We translate that as virtue or excellence, but it has a deeper meaning, something closer to expressing the best within yourself, moment to moment to moment. As you know, I often talk about the lines. If you're capable of doing, there we go. If you're capable of doing this and you're actually doing that and there's a gap, that's where regret, anxiety, disillusionment, depression exists. When yeah. you close the gap, when you live with arte, excellence, virtue, you feel eudaimonia. Now, again, to wrap it up, you go to Seligman and say, what do you think? He says the exact same thing. They started positive psychology by identifying the six core virtues and they say, put your virtues in action. Now it's nuanced. They've got a lot of other ideas, but the under pinning of their entire movement is virtue so our whole work is that so if someone wants to fill that gap because we know a lot of us are living underneath that line right we know a lot of us are, are, are sub beneath our eudaimonia uh how do we start taking action or what maybe what's the best resource for us to start to start understanding the virtues and then how to start living at that highest level well the first step is you got to realize you got to identify the game you're playing so the number one cardinal virtue and in fact the virtue if you're going to boil it down to one virtue, it's wisdom. Everything, every other virtue is basically a facet of wisdom. So courage and self-mastery and love and hope and gratitude and curiosity and zest, which are the ones we focus on. Those are all just expressions of wisdom. Wisdom, as I define it, is knowing the game you're playing and how to play it well. Now, in our modern society, you might have noticed some things are a little wobbly whether it's the pandemic or the political leadership or the social justice issues, you can summarize all of that in one word. It's vicious. It's vice expressed. Now, this isn't new. It's accentuated in our modern world, and particularly right now in 2020. But this is, this is what all philosophers have tried to address across all time. Gandhi walked around with the Bhagavad Gita, which is his Bible and then the Hindu Bible, basically, which is set on a battlefield. It's literally a war with a reluctant warrior. And the war is a metaphor for the internal battle going within us. So between what? Vice and virtue. So when we wanna start focusing on this, the first step is to step out of our culture, which again, I would offer is extraordinarily vicious. I mean, 
what are we doing? We're over-consuming toxic food. We're over-consuming toxic media. What do, you, what do you expect? But what we have in terms of chronic disease and depression, et cetera, when that is the orientation. So the first step of a good philosopher is to pull yourself out of that culture. And again, this isn't new. Epictetus said the same thing 2,000 years ago. Aurelius said the same thing 1,800 years ago, whatever it was. But you got to realize the real game that you want to play, which is not what culture is seducing you to play, is eudaimonia via archetype. That's step one. And you make the connection that you feel best when you do your best, not when you binge watch the latest Netflix show. And when you make that connection, then you start, we can get into details, but then you start saying, well, what do I need to do? Um, but I offer that, that until you make that distinction and until you get really clear and have the wisdom to, to say, this is the game I'm playing and this is how you play that game well. And yeah, I won all the you know, modern amenities that, it, that are nice to have, but that's a byproduct of my commitment to virtue and getting my consciousness right, my behavior right. And then I'll be a eudaimon who isn't a, I'm, I'm a hermit retreating here, but I'm also very engaged and active. Right. And that's the successful man or woman grounded in virtue day in and day out. So, again, that's high level. I'm happy to excited to go into detail. I'd love to go into detail on that. Now, the first thing that comes to mind is I I hear all these people pushing back on who's the judge and jury on um, determining what what virtue and vice and wisdom actually are. You, period, unequivocally, you go do the work, turn off your Netflix, turn off whatever and go do the hard work of studying. And think about these things, if or not. But if you want to play the game that I think, and I believe I'm echoing all the great teachers, then make the decision that you figuring out what vice and virtue is is more important than keeping track of whoever's doing whatever in the latest reality TV show or on the basketball court or whatever. You know, like that's the that's the game. And and then when you do that, I would offer you'll find what the positive psychologist found, which is. It doesn't matter what you study, whether it's ancient Greek wisdom, Stoicism, Taoism, Confucianism, Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. They're all saying the exact same thing. And they all come back to four and that positive psychologists extended to six. But I like four core virtues. Wisdom, knowing the game you're playing and how to play it well. Self-mastery, actually playing it well right now. Right. And then courage, having the willingness to act in the face of fear, which is how the scientists define it. And love. Life is about more than just you. You want to give back to life. Now, that's 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 it. I have goosebumps. I say that. And I draw that. We have a compass we use. I draw that every morning. I recommit to that. You live with wisdom, self-mastery, courage, and love. And again, there's some more details to it. And how do you do that is a worthy question. But you're well on your way, you know, and it's hard to debate that those are worthy and noble virtues. But run it through your own test and run your people you're seeing in, in, in the world through that test of virtue vis-a-vis vice and then decide what world you want to be part of creating and then go be that change that you want to see right right and how do you personally curate amount of time spent on each of these virtues so i think that in our world we live in right now a lot of people get caught up being busy you know doing rather than uh, pursuing excellence pursuing their inner fulfillment they just get caught in doing mindless things so how do you personally balance all of those virtues in your life with you know, running a very successful business with having two beautiful children and an amazing wife. Yeah, um, uh, dynamically would, yeah. Be the, uh, would be the answer to that. So there's yeah. no, I love Osho's wisdom that, that there's no such thing as static balance, 
There's no such thing as static equilibrium. It's like a tightrope walker. You're constantly adjusting. And I see the virtues as a compass, literally, you know, and, and sometimes you're pointing this way and this way. They're complementary. Important to remind ourselves of what's going on. But then we need to drill it into this moment. So it's this moment where we need to move from theory to practice to mastery. And this isn't an abstract conversation. This is a very real conversation. And ultimately, what Arate meant for Aristotle and means for me is this moment. It's the true power of now. In this moment, did you close the gap? Because we always have that daimon over our shoulder whispering to us. And by the way, demon, which is the soul, the good soul, right? Demon is just the diminutive of daimon. So you've got vice and virtue whispering in your ear all day, every day. And the question is, which one are you going to listen to? And we help our coaches and our, our community members architect their days. We call it carpe diem, create masterpiece days. We spend two months on it. How do you do that? You know, and then how do you identify the roles you're playing in your life? We have a big three, energy, work, and love. Who are you at your best? What virtues do you embody? And what are you going to do today to embody them? Um, and then we're just, we're ruthless. It's every single day. Navy SEAL style, you know, earn your trident every day. You're never going to get there. You're never exonerated. Um, as my coach, Phil Stutz puts it, you're never, you're never going to get there. There's no there there. Get to work in this moment. What's important right now? What's the highest and best use of my time right now? And do that and then architect your day such that you don't need to make that decision. It runs algorithmically, which is what I do. That's one of the things I'm most proud of in terms of my own lifestyle and what I teach. Tell me about that, because that, that's where I was going with this is, OK, like, you know, this arete is dependent on you becoming present in this moment, being aware of am I actually living in vice of virtue? And most people don't have that level of awareness, at least from my experience. Um, so how do we then begin to, to architect that day in such a way that allows us to maybe plan and schedule and, and prioritize and be present? Yeah. So then I'll, I'll briefly give context. So when I walk our coaches through our training. I start with eudaimonology, the study of a good soul. Then I talk about all the things we just talked about. Then I actually have a three-session module on heroology. And I challenge them to embrace the ancient Greek ideal of being a hero, which wasn't tough guy or killer of bad guys. It was protector. And my whole mission is optimize equals optimist. The Latin optimist means best. Equals eudaimon equals hero. When you are at your best, you're a eudaimon, and you're also a hero. And a hero has strength for two. And their secret weapon is love. And they do the hard work to have that strength. So eudaimonology, heroology. And then I, I focus on what I call the big three times two. And I look at Stephen Covey, his roles and goals, right? And I look at Tony Robbins, same thing, categories of improvement. But when I used to do that, I'd get overwhelmed. I have so many roles and so many goals. How do I keep track of them? And right. I literally, I remember just like popping my head with both of them. Freud, who I disagree with on almost everything else, says a good life is work and love. I thought that makes a lot of sense. Work and love. If I can express myself fully in work and in love, I'm 80% there. But then I said, you got to have your energy dialed in. Because if your energy sucks and you can't get out of bed in the morning, good luck right. showing up fully in work and love. So, yeah, so then we say big three. Energy, work, and love. And we obsess about it. To get certified in our program, you have to journal your big three every single day. 250 days out of our 300-day program. Once we introduce it, you got to do it. And then you take that and you say, okay, you times it by two, your identity, your virtues, your behaviors. So I ask energy-wise to help you get clarity on what virtue looks like for you. In general, let's go specific. Who are you? I'm looking at you and you're like Mr. Radiant Exemplar of energy. 
which is what we challenge our, our coaches to be. And you clearly are. OK, well, we want our coaches and our, our students to think, who are you at your energy best? Challenge your clients to think about that. I want them to see it. You know, for me, I train like a, a world class athlete. I'm into Spartan races. That's my thing. So I want to see that. And then I want to ask, what virtues does that version of me embody? Well, I'm disciplined. I'm calm. I'm confident. I'm strong. I'm grounded. I'm consistent. Right. There's there's virtues that are very real to that identity. Then I ask, and we they journal this every day, identity, I put athlete. And then right below that, I put those virtues. Then right below that, I say, what am I going to do today? What behavior will I engage in today? One behavior that will most powerfully represent those virtues and me being that identity. So we're not abstract, we're concrete today. Then I do the same thing for work and I do the same thing for love. What's your identity work-wise? I'm a philosopher. My virtues are I'm prolific, I'm creative, I aspire to be wise, right? And then what am I going to do today? Well, I'm going to put in five, six, seven hours of deep work. Boom, very clear. And I got specific things I'm going to do, our talk and whatever else I'm going to do in the studio. And then I move on. Love, what am I going to do? Soulmate is my identity love-wise, playing on the eudaimon. My wife is my soulmate. My kids are my soulmate. You're my soulmate in this conversation. You, we're talking daimon to daimon right here. Right. Everyone who's engaged. So I want to show up with love, with connection, with you know energy and presence and encouragement, et cetera. What am I going to do today? I'm going to spend the 30 minutes I spent with my kids working out a.m. And I'm going to spend time with them in the p.m. So anyway, energy, work and love times identity, virtues, behaviors, repeat, repeat, repeat. Then we move into Carpe Diem where we get really technical in terms of how to create a masterpiece day. Um, but that's kind of some of the uh, architecture or scaffolding, if you will, to move from theory to practice. I think there's a lot of people out there focusing on how not to be negative and how not to um, allow the negative self-talk to resonate in your life and how to get away from anxiety and stress and depression. But what it sounded like you just did was uh, occupied your day with so many positive things that if you, if you do that consistently over time, there won't be space for the negative actions. There won't be space for the anxiety and the fear anymore. And that inadequacy that, that seems to rear up in a lot of people because you're always moving toward these virtues that sound. Yeah. That resonates. I love it. And I love the way you're framing it and kind of stringing this, this forward. So we talk a lot about protocols, right? So, so my coach talks about something called emotional stamina, right? Emotional stamina, being able to show up and take the hits that life gives you. And he says, the way you have emotional stamina is the worse you feel, the more committed you are to your protocol. Now, I used to be a guy that was up and down emotionally, right? Which was correlated with my physicality and lack of, of consistency on my practices. Now, I've tweaked that into something I call anti-fragile confidence. So anti-fragile, fragile, resilient, anti-fragile. You can be weak and break the moment you get hit. You can be resilient and, and endure a little bit more and, and bounce back a little faster. Or you can actually be anti-fragile, which means the more you get hit, the stronger you get. The only way you can do that is if when you get knocked down, you work harder on your protocol and then you develop confidence, which etymologically means intense trust, confidere, right? Intense trust in what? That everything will go perfectly? No, that you've got what it takes. And the only way you earn that trust from yourself is if you work your protocol. So then I want to know, what do you do? Eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, focusing, you know, yep. celebrating life and, and moving forward with hope, you know? So you build that into your exercise intentionally, you know, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, but like that's what, what I view exercise is, is as, as you hit that point of fatigue, now's your opportunity to decide what your default mode is going to become. Are you leaning in and getting better in a state of fatigue 
or are you you know giving up and going well, I can't do it and you know ultimately developing character and strength or weakness and victimhood right I think that's uh, every everything we do physically is an opportunity every day to either lean in and get better in a state of fatigue or better in a state of stress versus pulling away sounds like you're doing that with your training now dude totally and then yes and I'm actually I train much more mellow than you train, I would guess. You know, I'm Maffetone, Phil Maffetone style of working yeah. within my aerobic zone. And I, my purpose for my training is very simple. I want to create at the highest possible level. So I actually very rarely go beyond my own personal limits. I have fun staying well within them. That's my discipline. Right. But I would offer, and again, everyone has their own um, specific training goals, which will demand a specific training regimen. And the question is, are you honoring that protocol? I would offer that you know, I think that's that's as important as that is. That's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to work out hard. I would challenge people to shine a light on things like, did you recover properly? Or are you blowing yourself up with technology at 9, 10, 11, 12, 1 a.m.? Because the science is unequivocal. Your sleep's going to suck if you do that. And then good luck on the recovery. You're going to wake up the next day and you will not have the energy that you need to show up for your workout or for your family or for your work. Um, so we, we, again, demand our coaches have to shut off all technology. We call it digital sunset an hour before they intend to go to bed. Why? Because the science is unequivocal. That works. Yeah. Um, but finding those little things that aren't little and then going all in on them and then aggregating and compounding those tiny gains, um, as I know is central to your work, that, that's ultimately what it's all about. And again, that's wisdom combined with self-mastery. And then you just do what needs to get done, whether you feel like it or not. Yeah. Well, so that's that's where I'm leaning in. Is it's not about hard work with what I do. It's it's whether or not you feel like it, right? It's like th that's hard. Like that, you know, quote unquote hard. It's not like I'm not advocating. Hey, I want you to go out there and crush it every day. Let, let's hashtag crush it. Like, no, no, no. It's like when you got to do the work, even when you don't want to do the work. And the work doesn't have yeah. to be hard. It has to be right. And that's really the messaging behind what I'm teaching is find what's right for you. Find the best possible way you can do it, the best possible teacher and mentor, and lean in on that every single day. And then ultimately, you're leaning into your virtues, like you say, which is awesome. Right on. Yeah, and I didn't mean to imply that you wouldn't have that no. isolation and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, very cool, man. Um, so, you know, you've read so many books and, and we have a lot of uh, people in the business space. So I know you have a lot of leadership slash business books on your um, platform. So I'd love for you to just kind of pick a couple that come to mind or maybe your philosophy around being a great leader. So in this challenging time, I have a lot of people who are coaches, a lot of people who are teachers, a lot of people who are business owners who lead big communities. And I would love to explore um, best practices right now. Like, hey, what are we doing to bring people together and ultimately lift us all up? Yeah, I love it, man. And it's so fun because the answer is the same. So we were talking about philosophy. What are the philosophy books? What are the favorite business books? It's the same thing. So if I want to be, and I remember one of my mentors told me that I, in my consciousness, are my business's greatest asset, period. And again, all the venture capitalists will tell you that. What do they invest in? They invest in the entrepreneur who has the grit, who has the character, who has the virtue to go up and show up on plans A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, blah, blah, blah. So again, it's lead yourself first. Are you showing up as a radiance exemplar? When you walk into a room, do you have the presence that kind of silently, humbly kind of commands the level of what's this person doing, you know, right. which again is what I tell our coaches. 90% of our program is you coach yourself, client number zero, such that you walk into a room and people are literally saying, what do you do? Like, what, what are you doing to get this? You lost 25 pounds. You tripled your sales, which one of our coaches just shared. People are coming to him and saying, what are you doing, man? 
then boom, there, there's your invitation. Mm -hmm. So lead yourself first. As Rolf Otto Emerson says, what you do and who you are speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. Mm -hmm. So are you engaged in your, in your virtues and your principles? Are you exercising whatever your protocol is? Um, and we know that when we close that gap more and more consistently, there's a power to that. You know, there's a, Emerson again says, there's a silent train of moments and years of, of effort that follows heroes, you know, and, and right now it's like perfect case study. You know, you look at everything going on, like, boom, are you practicing? To go Jesus on it, did you build your foundation on rock? Were you a wise builder and actually practice your philosophy or not? Because when the storms come, if you built it on sand, you're going to get washed away. I mean, this is, again, universal truths. And uh, it all demands that, that personal leadership, personal commitment to playing the game well. And then again, there's specific tactics, of course, that we each need to engage in to succeed in our domains. But it all always starts with wisdom self-mastery, courage, love, etc. Tell me about love. So you and your wife have had a relationship for a long time. You've got two amazing children. Um, tell me about what it means to show up as a soulmate. Yeah, it's, we have fun with this in our, in our work. Um, so there's many different facets to love in, in, in our philosophy and how I teach it. So there's the traditional love, which is my wife and my kids, right? Uh, that's love 1.0 is how Barbara Fredrickson, a leading positive psychologist, would describe it. Love 2.0, she says, is when you meet someone, random moment, you don't even know, them, you show up and you connect. Love 2.0. She calls it a, a micro moment of positivity resonance. And it changes your overall vagal tone and um, your brain chemistry, everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Love 2.0. So I basically took that and said, OK, we need to love 2.0. We need love 1.0, of course, with our family and, and loved ones. But then it starts with love 0.0, .0 with yourself. Do you love yourself enough to accept yourself and all your imperfections and then to challenge yourself to actually do all the things we're talking about, starting with what I call your number one self-care habit, that thing that if you don't do it, you don't have a good day. For me, it's sleep and turning off my electronics. Um, so love 0.0 which then goes to 1.0, 2.0, and then we extend that playfully beyond that to 8.0 for work, et cetera. But I think ultimately, you know, courage and love come from the same word for your heart. So ultimately, your courage is sourced from your love of life and your love of, of the opportunity to be here and to serve profoundly in the work that you do, et cetera. So there's really no difference between you know our work and our love and our practice and our training it's all for me um one expression of the same essential game you know which is eudaimonia via arate coming forth and um and then you know training and turning off your electronics um these are acts of love eating well and, and doing your deep work instead of wasting your time these are profound acts of love and and ultimately that's the I think what we're called for the most is to do this work, not for ourselves and for all the, you know, whatever um, physical gains we make personally, but so that we have, again, the strength for two. I forget, you'll probably remember the founder of MoveNet, not MoveNet, but Natural Movement, I think it was. Her long before. You'd be fit to be useful. Yeah. Be fit to be useful. There's no other reason. Anything else is gross egotism, he says. Be fit to be useful, but then get really fit and be really useful. Then it's, then it's just fun. You know, you go out, right. you, you hit whatever metrics you want to hit. For me, it's HRV and resting heart rate. You know, as fun metrics, 
that are the the fuel to to go out and shine right right for me it's it's the idea of being the renaissance man like if somebody says you want to, my, my response is always or the question is do you want to yes right like <laughs> do you want to go for a run yes do you want to go for a swim yes do you want to play basketball yes right that's that's my aim of fitness is like somebody says hey you want to jump out of a plane yes i want to be ready at all times to do whatever comes up it doesn't have to be at a world-class level, but it needs to be at some level of competency where fear doesn't even creep anymore. It's yeah. like, yes, I can do that. You know, I'm not afraid of hurting. I'm not afraid of quitting. I, I will finish and I will enjoy it because I know it's making me better. I love it, dude. That's so yeah. good. Um, amazing, man. So some of your daily practices, you're balancing a lot. I'd uh, love to, to explore what you're looking at on a daily basis and maybe some of the challenges you're facing and why and how you're building daily practices around that. Yeah. So a cornerstone, again, in my own personal life and philosophy is simplicity. And I just saw a cardinal. So a cardinal is my favorite bird that we have out here, which, of course, represents the cardinal virtues. So every time I see one, I just get reminded. So I'll take that as a good sign. Yes. Um, I actually don't have a lot going on. My life is incredibly simple. I've decided what my dharma is. God and I have had a conversation or two. And, you know, I'm getting to a thousand philosopher's notes by the time I turn 50 in 200 weeks. So I'm, I'm laser focused on that. That's what I do. I don't do email. I turned on my smartphone for the second time in weeks so you and I could connect. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's what I do. So my team runs the business. I chip in, you know, on occasion and add some high level insights and whatever. But I radically restrict that, radically empower them. And I'm all in on my game. So then for me, my days are actually very, very simple. And they're very, very similar day in and day out. Um, as I like to say in our, in our protocol, your day started the night before. Most people think their day started when they got up. It didn't. It started when you decided to end your day the night before with a good shutdown, complete ritual, with a good digital sunset, turn off the electronics ritual, with a bedtime that allows you to get adequate amount of sleep, etc. So I shut down my day, deep work done, and then it's deep love. I connect with my kids. We spend an hour one on two while my wife gets some time. We've been going fishing, you know. We got a little pond lately. Like, that's just kind of what we do. Then we all come together as a family. We're actually sleeping together in a family bed right now, which I just started doing a couple months ago, which is awesome. Yeah. Whole nother conversation. Then I wake up, same exact thing. Supplements, check the aura score, meditate. I do two sets of, of 12 minutes, basically. Um, on the Nano, we got a PEMF machine, and I'm just, I'm doing that. And I do a quick opening series, some burpees, and then I'm first deep work block, 90 minutes, while the family's still sleeping, um, et cetera. Then I take a break and then I, I oscillate. I train usually with the kids now because that's the way that I get more time with them while my wife gets some time. And now here you and I are early in the morning. So this is my second deep work time block, which would usually be 90 minutes of focused work, reading, writing, teaching, etc. Then I oscillate, walk around the property, meditate, do whatever. No inputs. I don't do any technology now, literally, other than essential tech. No online news, no distractions at all. I'm either on or I'm off and recovering. Recover, I go hit it again, another deep work block. Maybe I'll take a nap on the PEMF and Nano or whatever. Um, and then one more block, hit my you know five, six, seven hours of deep work, which is a lot. Um, and then I'm done at like five, 5.30, playing around with six lately and I repeat. So my days are like ridiculously systematized and I don't think about it. They're running algorithmically, which again, we haven't talked in detail about, but that's that's the thing. And again, what I do in those deep work blocks will alter a little bit depending on what's important, whether it's reading a book or preparing for a lecture or whatever, um, or filming in the studio. But that's it. 
that's my life. I've decided what's important to me and I've organized every single thing around it. So do you have someone who's a PA to come in and say, hey, Brian, this is the things we need done this week and you plan out the week? No, I, I don't. I, I know my week. You know, I know basically what I need to do. I deliver a plus one every day. I deliver a, you know, philosopher's note every week and I have my mastery series I'm producing here. So I know what I need to do. And then when I need administrative stuff done, uh, you know, I have a team that different people do different things. Um, and then occasionally I'll check in on a high level with the guy that kind of runs the show operations wise. Um, but otherwise. That's awesome. You know, yeah. No yeah, one has access you. to me, you know, whatever. <laughs> good for you. I'm so grateful I was able to reach out and, and connect. Um, so you said you mentioned the, the nano and the PEMF. So we will know what a PEMF is. What, what are we referring to nano? You tell me, man. I've been looking forward oh, to asking you. Yeah, yeah, Nano V. Oh, yeah. man, I love that thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've been using that thing for years, and that's uh, Rowena Gates and Hans Eng. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm a huge fan. So post-workout, uh, incredible for recovery. So you're basically inhaling structured water. You know you know the deal now, right? Explain so, it. Explain it. I've actually been looking forward to hearing you explain it. Sure. So my understanding, I've actually interviewed Gerald Pollack, who's the guy who's cutting out. Uh, he didn't discover the fourth phase of water. So are you familiar with the fourth phase of water? So, so you've got- Roughly, but again, I'd love to hear you say it. Yeah, so you've got solid liquid gas in the fourth phase, they call this exclusion zone, where the water around cells in the body excludes protons. So it becomes negatively charged and maintains a higher negative charge of the cells. So this, it's been suggested that negative 120 millivolts is the ideal negative charge of a cell. You need that structured water, that exclusion zone water, to maintain that negative charge. And as we age or as we uh, don't, we ultimately are impacted by life, stress and uh, EMFs and things like this that are sapping our body of hydration and, and these, these uh, structured water, it depletes energy and send us more into a, a diseased state. So there's ways to get it naturally with movement and, and food ultimately and sunshine and grounding. But this is just a way to help your body replenish structured water. Uh, so the, the proteins within the water are able, or within the cell are able to fold more effectively in DNA transcription. So I've noticed a huge difference in recovery. Like if I do 30 minutes on that, I usually try to do 60 after a workout. If I can, I'll schedule a call like this and I'll have it kind of come out of the side. Um, and uh, it's, it's incredible. Like the difference in recovery is definitely noticeable. Dude, that's awesome. So how, what's the uh, kind of max amount of time you can do that a day? I don't think there is a max. I, I don't I mean, I don't know. Like I, yeah. So I've done it for certainly two hours in a day. So yeah. I'll just sit there. If I'm sitting working or something, I'll just have it running because you can have it close enough where it's just yeah. I've never seen anything but positive effects. Improves my sleep, improves my focus. And again, I have no financial affiliation with this yeah, company yeah. at all, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Um, I mean, great, great product. So you've been you've been exploring that lately. Yeah, no, but I've, I've literally, since I saw your testimonial in a little marketing brochures, I've been looking forward to uh, tapping your brain. So I appreciate that download on it. That's awesome. Yeah, so Gerald Pollack is the guy who... I mean, he's like, oh, I'm not so sure if you could inhale it through, uh, you know, vapor. So that's the suggestion. You're breathing this nano vapor. So we know structured water works. The only the only gap is like, okay, we know this is there, but does this actually get structured water into the cell? So inhaling it is great. But so they have some data that suggests that it does. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know subjectively, I feel a big difference. And everyone here at my facility feels a big difference too. Mm -hmm. So I, right I tend on. to be a, a uh, open-minded skeptic, right? Yep. I tend to be open-minded about everything, yet skeptical of everything. Um, so I give that thing a good shot for going on three years now, and uh, I'm definitely sold. Right on, man. Um, yeah. Appreciate it. That's great. Yeah, no problem. So you're doing uh, PEMF and, and the Nano B while you meditate? Yeah, I was meditating on the uh, back porch as the sun rose, and then our chickens commandeered under the porch. So that no longer worked out. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, in, it's indoors on the uh, 
pimp banana, which has worked out. And I do it actually at night as well. And I'm going to start doing it while I'm doing some work uh, in the office uh, on your recommendation. Yeah, it's a simple addition, right? You're sitting there, it's, yeah. it's not going to take anything away. So tell us about your meditation because, I mean, everyone's got such a wide practice. It seems like you're kind of zeroed in on, on best practices. Yeah, so I've done a breathing meditation uh, for years now. I, I, I have a Timex watch that I set to 16 minutes and 40 seconds, which is 1,000 seconds. Every time that goes off and I'm sitting down, I get up and I move. I do some burpees or just stretch or whatever. Um, based on some other basic research. And then I reset that for my meditation to 1140, right? And then I do two sets of 11 minutes and 40 seconds. The first, I do something inspired by Patrick McYown, who's one of the world's leading breathing Patrick experts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love Patrick uh, as a teacher and as a, as a friend, just an individual, humble, mm -hmm. brilliant guy. It sounds yep. like you know well. Yep. You know, and he turned me on to the whole carbon dioxide, vis-a-vis -vis oxygen thing, breathing less to breathe right. I literally do his meditation with, you know, one hand on my chest and then the other hand on my belly diaphragm, not moving my chest, breathing into my belly, but really restricted. So breathing, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40% less than I'd like to tolerating more and more carbon dioxide. When I first started doing it, it was impossible. And um, now it's, it's enjoyable. But anyway, I do that. And actually I start by putting on my oximeter, looking at the oxygen saturation and my resting heart rate. Um, and then get that down and up and then, um, well, you know what I'm saying. And then, um, I do that 1140 breathe less to breathe, right. Meditation, just focusing on my breath. And then I transition to, um, a virtue meditation. So I basically spin through almost like a mantra of, of may I be wise and know the game that I'm playing and, and, uh, play it well today, you know, and they kind of go through self mastery, courage, love, hope, gratitude, curiosity, and, and zest are the virtues we work on. And that's kind of my mantra. <clears throat> and uh, 1140, 1140, boom, done. Little opening series yoga-wise, and then go from there. Tell me about Phil Stutz. I feel like you've been working with this guy for a long time. And for someone to be your mentor and coach, uh, I think he's got to be an incredible human being. I haven't read his books yet. I know you have them on the site, and I'm very mm -hmm. interested in them. But I'd love to learn more about what he does for you. Yeah, again, great questions, man. I'm really enjoying our, our chat and you. Uh, so Phil Stotts, The Tools, it, it actually, it's impossible to say what my favorite book is of all time, but I've kept that one in the number one position, The Tools, wow. Phil Stotts and Barry Michaels. You know, some books just this land for you, right, that just become transformative, and many yep. books have for me. That one particularly, I just, I just it really resonated. So I read it, loved it, and then a friend of mine, Trip Lanier, um, I sent it to him, right? Then he wanted to interview him, them, and he did. And then I started interviewing people, so I reached out and interviewed Phil and Barry, fell in love with them, and um, couldn't figure out which one I wanted to work with. You know, is it Phil or is it Barry? I figured Phil is the senior guy. Barry was kind of his protege. And I figured you got to work with Yoda. In that scenario, you got to go Yoda, you know? Yeah. So went Yoda, and uh, he and I, you know, we're, we're now doing every other week, but we didn't miss a week Monday for three years straight. And, um, you know, he's kind of become my spiritual, you know, father in, in, in some ways and just a beautiful guy who's worked with some really elite Hollywood kind of people and just been there and done that, helping people really bring out the best and um, help solidify some of my uh, my thinking. And, and to answer your question directly, you know, a good coach, I think what a good coach does and what, what I aspire to do and help our coaches do with their clients is basically get you to a place where you can trust yourself even more. 
So if I've thought of something, I'm pretty sure that this is where it is. Oftentimes I've found that with his guidance and I respect him a lot, you know, he's, he's in his seventies now he's been there, done that. Right. Um, just world-class and he's brought a lot of people to a world-class level. Right. Um, and held him there when he and I have a conversation and we just are on, it's almost like done. I don't need to think about that again. That is now a locked in truth for me. And again, I'm open, et cetera, but I now know this at an even deeper visceral level. And I found that to be perhaps on a high level, the most powerful thing I've gotten. And I've gotten a lot of distinctions like the emotional stamina, the worse you feel, the more committed you are to your protocol. That's a big idea. I mean, that's, if you, if that's the only thing that we ever, uh, operationalized in our lives, the worse I feel, if I feel horrible, then I'm more committed to my protocol. That's like a, that's a, you're as close to invincible as you can get. If right. you actually do that, that's very, very hard to run. Right. But if you can actually do that, that's completely. I like think that. I've been living that for the last 20 years. Like ultimately as a bodybuilder, you're like, I feel like shit, but I got to keep digging in. Like when you're getting ready to closer to a contest, like that's ultimately what we do, right? Is we're feeling yeah. worse and worse and we're asking our body to do more and more and our brain to stay on point. And I mean, I, I no longer do that, but like it was certainly a, an opportunity during my career. Yeah, and you're doing it in the rest of your life. I mean, the yes answer is the Renaissance man. I mean, yeah. that's where, you know, that was just your training ground to, to, you know, focus LeBron James style or pick your favorite, mm -hmm. you know, excellent performer in a given domain. And then the challenge, of course, is how do we translate that beyond the specific into the general energy work and love and get better day in and day out yeah so you've been working with them for three years you're still working with them once every two weeks and you're still seeing this tremendous benefit ultimately of keeping you um trusting in yourself yeah i mean i used to take like two four five ten pages of notes every session now it's kind of it's actually our last session was one of those ones that was amazing too but um yeah now i'm just kind of celebrating and, and just continuing to hit and um, i just love him i mean he's just a good human being that um, i love having in my life and um yeah so you're, you're taking that wisdom now and applying it to a group of people that are ultimately aspiring for mastery at your level yeah well again um mastery i would humbly submit that i'm i'm just doing the work you know but right yeah in their own idiosyncratic way how do we help people figure out what their path is and then go live that as powerfully as they can. Uh, I continue to do the, uh, the main core membership work and all that. And then of course we've got our coach program. Well, not of course, we've got our coach program, um, which is really exciting. So helping people actually operationalize the protocol and, and go out and be the change they want to see and help people do the same. So when you say coach protocol, is it, is it teaching, coaches how to life coach or is it teaching some very specific deliverable that you guys are uh, striving for? Well, 90, it's a 300 day program that we have and 90% um, of it is basically it's three parts, right? Client number zero, we say is you. You have to coach yourself first, be a radiant exemplar. Your consciousness is your greatest asset. We want you to walk into a room and have people say, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. uh, then it's client number one through infinity. How do you actually build, you know, get, how do you actually teach this stuff and really helping people fundamentally and permanently change their lives? So it's a 300 day program. You need to do a Spartan race with us to graduate, to demonstrate like that it. you're in your energetic best. Yeah. Yep. So we had the second largest group in Spartan history. Um, at our graduation last year. Um, and you can asterisk it and do something else. It's your 
kind of expression of your energy best. Um, but yeah, it's all about helping people integrate our philosophy while deepening their own understanding of what their approach is. And then we just challenge them, live it. You know, we have perhaps what I'm most proud of is just a really diverse group of people, you know, devout, uh, you know, Muslims and, and Catholic chaplains and pastors and, and rabbis who are part of it. So just that whoever you are, we have Navy SEALs, former, you know, colonels, uh, rangers, like it's just really fun to see that the broad spectrum of, um, of individuals who are stepping up. Very cool, man. And this is, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I do have one question. Why Austin? seems like Dude, everyone. I got all the up. time. I got all the time you want. This is fun. Oh, um, so, yeah, you know, we were looking around. We were in Ojai, a tiny town in Southern California, which we loved. Um, we were kind of ready for a, a change. We were downtown. We wanted to have a smaller place and more land. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Austin's just become the place, right? So a lot of yeah. people that we admire uh, and, and uh, you know, friends or whatever are out here. And um, so we looked around and then found this one place where we landed. And literally, it was listed at, you know, 8 a.m. My wife saw it. I got out of the studio. She showed it to me. We had an offer in within, like, literally two hours. I flew out that night. Uh, and we were in escrow within 24 hours of it being listed. So it's just one of those like perfect spots um, awesome. that just kind of came together. And yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious because it seems like, as you say, there's so many people landing there now. I mean, obviously Texas has, has tax benefits over California and I think a lot of people are trying to exit California, but there's got to be something energetically that's drawing all these people to Austin. I think it's a combination. I think for us, what it was, was we were ready for something. You know, we wanted to kind of have fun, do something different. We wanted land. There's a ton of land out here that's ridiculously priced, as in very affordable, obviously. And then um, it's a cool town. So you're, we're 30 minutes outside of downtown Austin, yet we can drive in Whole Foods. Are we 30 minutes from Whole Foods? Fantastic. Perfect. Right. And then you take the state tax implications in. And literally, we uh, went from a downtown place to eight and a half acres, brand new little tiny house. I'm sorry, house with a tiny house and barn for a studio for half of what we had downtown wow. Ohio, and it's a, and it's effectively free when you when you actually look at the state taxes so literally right. we moved here for free while achieving what we wanted to achieve so yeah i think there's a lot of compelling reasons to consider Austin. right so i know for a long time you you followed a vegetarian based diet or even vegan for a while are you still on that type of diet no, I did that until I stopped doing that. Um, and again, I'm I'm paid to experiment, you know. So yeah, sure. I've basically done everything. And um, the way I describe my experience with veganism is it worked until it didn't. You know, I think there's a healing phase involved of moving off of a standard diet. And um, and for me and for my wife, it just it, we got to a place where it wasn't optimal for us. Um, and then just shifted, and we've been I've been and continue to experiment with basically everything. I'm super open. It's I'm a lab, you know, literally I get paid to go out and, and study these things. And, yeah. and my number one thing that I teach is whatever you do, and I'm agnostic as to what anyone does in particular, eliminate, obviously, the sugar, get rid of the ultra processed garbage and then then go experiment, you know, but but just doing those two simple things, the ultra processed food and the sugar in particular, and you're, you're making huge strides. And if you're doing those things, I don't care what you're doing. Um, you're not going to see the gains you could. But anyway, that's kind of the, the current take. 
So hard, as far as what you're eating now, is it yeah, is it energy is it energy based? Like, hey, what makes me feel like I'm able to thrive? Because you have that energy as one of your pillars. Is it just like, you know, that is that what drives your decisions now? Yeah, in simplicity and just autopilot. And um I don't give it a lot of thought. I mean, my 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 thing now is like I said, no, absolutely no sugar, no no processed food really, and no certainly no ultra processed food. Um and then I, I'm an 80-20 guy. So like I find something that works and I don't need to think about it anymore. Put it on autopilot and then I'm going to go on to the next most important thing. And again, energy even to me is a vehicle. It's not the destination. I just want to have my energy dialed in so I can go out and crush it. But I don't, my wife is more into it. You know, she's the one always exploring the edges. I in some ways do what she tells me to do. And, and then right. <laughs> I don't think about it, you know. That's awesome. It lets you focus on your highest and best, right? Not, not occupy that mind energy with things that are ultimately I don't want to say inconsequential, but not going to allow you to, to uh, live your best. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So what's your, and this is probably an impossible question to answer, but what's your end line? Where, where, what's your 20-year plan from right now? So I know there's no end line. You're always pursuing, um, you know, your, your virtues. Um, but what does it look like 20 years from now once Philosopher's Notes and Optimize is completely finished? And you know, what do you want to do? when you've, when you're all growing up. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking on a 200 week, I obviously think big long-term, but, um, on a high level, but my real focus right now, which has been fun to kind of crystallize with even more, uh, sharpness, if you will, I turned 50 in 200 weeks, as I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So the little chat I had with, uh, the gods slash God was go get a thousand. So I'm all in, you know, that's two books a week over the next 200 weeks. Boom, done. Check that box. And, and I've, I'm committed to, to being worthy of leading, to actually having a solid base of wisdom. I spend no time personally marketing. I just want to understand what these truths are, try to embody them and try to get better and better at my craft of teaching. Um, so that's my thing over the next 200 weeks, which is just under four years. And um, and we're just continuing to do the coach stuff. So I've got a great team that's 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 running that. And we're excited about that. We're in our third class right now. We're launching. We'll get to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven in that period of time. And then my playful thing is I'm gonna have another conversation with God slash the gods at 50. I'm gonna write the book. I've been waiting to to kind of distill this all into our book. Um, and then I'm open. You know, there's a lot of things that that I think we can do optimize wise. Um, community wise is really important to me. Um, we have some, before COVID, we started doing some uh, offline local meetups. We had people from 75 countries, 750 cities who wanted to get together, wow. optimize local, you know, and um, my background is social media. So my background is I've built and sold two social platforms. Well, we have a nascent Facebook-like site that I haven't put any energy into, but I, our world needs a Facebook for optimizing. I mean, there's no question about that. And shockingly, I built and sold that to a publicly traded company 10 years ago and they integrated it and it kind of withered away. Um, but there's a huge need for that, you know, and, and there's a lot of other things I can see myself doing, but my, my focus right now is, is serving as profoundly as I can in the way I chose and, um, you know, going from there. Brian, I'm grateful for you for being a role model and mentor to me, man. I, I follow you from afar. I appreciate you from afar, man. I'm grateful we got to connect and thank you for doing what you do. Dude, I'm, I'm um, thrilled we connected, honored to be part of your life. When uh, this whole thing settles down, excited to get you out here to Austin. Where Man, are you I've, got, 
I've got some, I'm in Tampa. I've got some great friends in Austin, like some of my, my business mentors, some of my, my uh, you know, health mentors are all, it seems like everybody's in Austin. I'm like, maybe it's time to move. <laughs> all right, well, here's, here's, here's our trails. So we'll have oh, the trail, man. we got a little, we'll, uh, we'll have a good time. I'm an outdoor guy, man. I'm actually looking at a place in Costa Rica right now, just cause like, I want to be outside. I want to be on the water. I want to be, you know, like, so funny. I'm sharing that publicly, but that's, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm officially the Austin sales guy now. So if water's Sweet. important to you, obviously Austin is an ideal, but otherwise <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty right. good, man. When I'm ready to move. I'm going to call my favorite real estate agent. Uh, you stay statewide. Then, uh, then this is, this is uh, gotta be in the top three there. <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's a wrap boys and girls, ladies and gents. Thank you for being here on the muscle intelligence podcast. I absolutely love my life. I love being here. I'm creating a great life and I hope you are too. If there's some area in your life where you're struggling, it doesn't always have to be that way. There's certainly a process around which you can start moving in the right direction. And we know that our brain creates our life. And hopefully you guys are are garnering wisdom from all these incredible guests and all this incredible information that we get. But really guys, it seems like it starts with gratitude and taking one single step every day in the right direction. So if there's one area of your life that you're struggling with, I want you to commit right now to not having to change your life, but to changing one single habit that you can do in five minutes or less and applying that toward ultimately becoming your greatest self. That is the key. It's not changing your life in one day. It's not creating an overwhelming shift and moving to a new country or moving to a new city or starting a new relationship. All those things are secondary to changing yourself. Your circumstances are a reflection of your internal reality. If you want to change your internal reality, you got to change your dialogue. So hopefully you guys garnered some wisdom from my chat with Brian. And if you are struggling in one area, guys, feel free to reach out. Let's talk about it. Let's get on the Muscle Intelligence Facebook group. Let's post about it. And uh, we are here to walk you through problems. Not that we're psychologists or ultimately problem solvers. We're all here to support each other and lift each other up. So after listening to this podcast, go out today and say something nice to someone. Be kind to someone who maybe in the past you haven't always been kind to. Lift each other up. Let's make this world a better place. Let's all live our greatest life. Thank you to Brian Johnson for being here and inspiring us every single time we hear from him. Head over to optimize.me, no.com. And uh, YouTube, you can check out Philosopher's Notes. I am a subscriber to optimize.me and I absolutely love the website. Uh, and the app, ultimately. Uh, but thank you to Brian for being here. Also, thank you to our show sponsor, bubsnaturals.com. Use the code BEN for 20% off. Add it to your coffee in the morning. Replace your cream. Replace your almond milk. I promise you'll thank me later. Have a great day, guys. I appreciate you being here. Have an amazing day in the body that you love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.